This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Brian Littleton. He's the founder and CEO of ShareASale. He's connected thousands of merchants and affiliates alike, ensuring mutual profitability while preserving the spirit and core values of the affiliate marketing industry. Since 2000, his team and vision have helped create the industry into what it is today. The business currently supports over 4,000 retailers on the ShareASale network, working strategically with its clients, both on advertising and publishing, to maximize their individual potential. He's a three-time winner of the Affiliate Summit Pinnacle Award for Affiliate Marketing. Marketing Advocate of the Year and has served as the President and Board of Directors for the Performance Marketing Association. In January 2017, ShareASale was acquired by a global affiliate marketing network, Alwyn. Okay, Pete, Brian, are you ready to take us to the top? I am ready. Did I pronounce that company name that acquired you correctly? It's actually awin.com, which is a lot easier. Just uh, awin, like it sounds. Awin, yes. All right, I'm trying to get too fancy. Okay, let's oh, uh, let's take a step back. Uh, for those that are not familiar with kind of you and ClickBank and others in the space, what is ShareASale and what's your revenue model? How do you make money? Uh, so ShareASale is a performance marketing network, which means we kind of sit in the middle between, say, a blogger or a podcaster or any website owner and then a retailer that's selling a product or a digital product. Uh, so we track... Um, clicks and basically sales and commissions that take place between those two folks, uh, provide the analytics, uh, provide the marketplace for them to meet. Um, and then in terms of a revenue model for a performance marketing network, it's based on uh, the commissions that are basically paid out. So we're essentially taking a cut of a commission that's paid out for an individual sale or a download or whatever it might be. And if someone sells a $100 product and the affiliate kickback that drove the sale is 30%. So 30 bucks on average. I mean, what are you taking? You taking 5%, 10% more? Uh, the models are a little different depending on programs, but uh, generally speaking, it's about 20% of whatever the affiliate commission is. So uh, you can calculate it kind of back out from there. That's the, um, that's the pricing on the network. Um, occasionally uh, things get a little, little different when there are different models for higher commission pr- products, for example, digital products or something like that. But that's the base. That's basically where it ends up at. Okay. Sorry. You said 10% of whatever the affiliate gets. 20. Oh, 20%. Okay, good. So on a hundred dollar product sale of say a hat or some, a shirt or whatever, the affiliate that drove it will get 30 bucks and you'll take about six bucks of the 30 on average, depending on the program. Uh, typically in retail, the commissions are lower than what you've just stated. I mean, a 30% might be a digital product, a t-shirt in fashion might be a five or 10% affiliate commission. Um, so it's, it, it, like I said, it kind of differs on the, on the spaces that you're in and what type of publisher it is. A coupon publisher, for example, might be earning a 5% commission. Um, a mass media content publisher might be earning a 40% commission. Those are different types of sales and different types of, uh, um, customers that they're bringing, but the, the revenue model of the performance network stays the same as 20% of whatever that number is. Interesting. Now, something interesting about your site, it looks, if people go back and look at what Amazon looked like, 
back 10 years ago, your, your sites actually look very similar, mm -hmm. right? You've got your popular categories across the top, home and garden, fashion, green merchants, business merchants, and more merchants. Um, these companies, like I'm seeing the real, real kind of luxury consignment on you. Why are people kind of choosing to use you to sell it and use your affiliate program and your kind of affiliate setup versus like an Amazon model? Uh, well, I mean, we're providing the services to these independent retailers, right? So they're um, they're people that sell direct. They're companies that sell direct to consumers. The real real has a direct online commerce with their consumers, right? It's different than their model where they may or may not sell through the Amazon marketplace. Um, these are their direct to consumer businesses, um, and so they're choosing us or they're choosing our competitors based on what they think we can provide. Uh, ShareASale's been around forever, one of the originals in this space. When did you launch? Uh, uh, the year two thousand. Oh, wow. Okay. So 17 years of building up kind of a reputation of who we are and what we do and uh, the types of publishers that maybe are on our platform as opposed to some of our competitors. And, um, you know, a retailer will then choose kind of where to go, who they think will both track their platform the best, as well as provide maybe the access to the type of publisher base that they're looking for. Share sale historically has been particularly strong in the fashion category. So we have a lot of fashion advertisers. Uh, the real real fits in with that. Um, as well as, as many others, um, electronics, again, we're strong in, but it, there are also um, competitors that are strong in these categories as well. There's obviously a lot of businesses out there that are selling direct to consumer. In year one, 2000, do you remember what total kind of transaction volume was through your platform? How low was it? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't remember. It was probably pretty low. Like under a hundred um, grand? Uh, probably, um, in, in year one, but the, the, the growth that we were really looking at in year one and, and, and what did work out really well was by the end of, I'd say, year one and a half, uh, we were talking about having about 500 retailers, um, or at, the, at the time, mostly small businesses that were starting to use our platform. Um, and that was really a lot stronger than we or I at, really at the time had expected. Um, and so um, it really uh, snowballed from there in terms of all that um Merchant growth, as well as then what, what grows is transactional revenue. The bigger piece for a performance network is the number of publishers that you have. And, and that was big for us really early on. Which is the, the seller, the fashion brand. No, the publisher is actually like yourself. I mean, you're a podcaster. You could right now talk about a product that you, you use or have on your uh, podcast. And you could say like, hey, listen, use this particular code and you'll get, um, you know, this blog software for 10% off or whatever. Uh, on that, on that note, HostGator pays me a lot of money to sponsor the show. Go <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you may have a direct relationship, right, where they, they sponsor. It's a number you negotiate. But you also, podcasters can do things like have affiliate uh, you know, programs and links where they say, hey, do the co-skater and they may be earning a commission off of that. So just different models of compensation really for uh, the same type of thing. How did you kind of solve this marketplace thing? Did you hyper-focus on getting the sellers and then you let the sellers sign up publishers for their brand or did you really go and try and recruit both at the same time? Um, I mean, a long time ago in the year 2000, I was trying to do both at the same time, uh, but I was, you know, I was 25 years old or whatever, so I had a lot, a lot of energy. Um, but, uh, you know, what we found is about 20% of publishers are finding programs from the retailers. So that's like you right now wondering, hey, what can I promote on my podcast? I know that I love the brand, The Real Real. So I'm going to go there. I'm going to join their program. I see their little yeah. affiliate program link in their footer, click it, and it's powered by ShareASale. Exactly. So 
that's about 20% and 20% are coming from the network. Meaning I have a podcaster like yourself, you join ShareASale, and then you're looking around and you're finding programs that might fit your business. Um, and you see the real, real and you join. And that's about 20% and 20%. So the, the approach is both. Um, you need to have retailers on your platform or else you don't have a platform. And, uh, you know, you need to be out there where merchants are recruiting in their own publishers as well. And the, and the whole network grows from there. Um, we've been uh, fortunate because we have about, now it's over 5,000, it's about 5,200 programs and retailers that are on the platform. Um, so that helps us recruit the publishers that we need from both of those angles, as well as provide a marketplace for people that are just coming in and looking. Yep. And how many publishers do you have today on the platform to support the 5,200 retailers? Uh, so the publisher's number is a lot more, uh, it's a lot more difficult to come up with because people come in and they may not do anything. Um, so, you know, in terms of publishers there's well over a million, but that number is kind of worthless. Yep. Um, how many, have, how many have made at, more than 10 bucks, would you say? Uh, well, that's where I was going to go. Like over the past year or so, we've paid about 20,000 different publishers. So that gives you an idea of what someone is maybe really active or generating some level of revenue. Obviously, the revenue differences between a very small publisher and a very large publisher are quite significant, but that's the kind of total base that we're working with, and it grows every day. And let's just keep talking about the last 12 months. Can you share kind of total volume through your platform? I mean, were you 100 million, 10 million, a billion? I can't share what we're doing, but um, the AWIN um, report for Black Friday is what I was going to hope to talk about in terms of a numbers perspective. Let's do that. that that'll really help you. Um, if you were to go to awin.com slash Black Friday, uh, they have numbers just for that time period of Black Friday and Cyber Monday, which are pretty impressive. Um, and what I can share is from that report, so you don't have to click through, uh, $400 million generated for clients. Um, that's a pretty big number when you're talking about four days worth of commerce. Um, so just as one of the um, companies in this space, and obviously that's, those are numbers for the entire AWIN group, um, so they're global numbers, but um, you know the, the space is very large. Okay, got it. But you, So you can't share with me kind of what you were doing pre-acquisition? I mean, in general, like even, even, a, even a floor, were you doing more than 10 million, 100 million? Um, I can't really. I, I just can't get into it. So that's why I was trying to give you yeah. some numbers that no, that's fine. Going to show a little bit better. That's fine. Um, why now? Did you bootstrap this company over the first seventeen years, or you raised capital? Uh, totally bootstrapped. Uh, it was really quite an exciting ride. Um, this started as a side project for me, as I'm sure most people and entrepreneurs do. Um, I put it together. I looked at the, um, the the fact that this business model is entirely cash positive, basically from day one. And the fact that I'm a developer, so I was able to build the tech that goes behind it, uh, put me in an advantageous, advantageous situation, obviously. Were you a sole owner? Sole owner, sole developer at the very start, which was a mess. That's Thankfully, awesome. I hired people that were smarter than me later. But um, uh, yeah, so starting off, that's that's an advantage, I think, for an entrepreneur to be able to put those two things together and, and be cash positive. So we did not need to raise capital at the time. Mm -hmm. And did you kind of create an equity pool as you brought on more talent or you held 100% all the way through acquisition? I did hold 100%. I mean, you do a lot of things over the years with, uh, with um, bonusing and things along those lines to make a company grow, obviously. So um, I can't take you know all of that credit or whatnot, but the... Um, you know, I did own the company all the way through. 
CRMs might be the tool that I fight with the most. I just haven't found one that I really liked. I don't know if you guys are the same way, but they're just so tricky. And a while ago, I had a guy named John Lee on my show. He's the CEO of ProsperWorks. And he told me they just passed 40,000 customers and 24 million in annual revenue. So they're doing about $286,000 in revenue per employee. And I said, wow, why is this working? And I said, you know what? I'm going to try it. So I went to prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM, signed up, and it immediately became clear why it worked. Those of you that love growth hacking, you should go to that link just to see how they do the onboarding. That's prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. In short, it's like magic. You know, I'm not the guy that, you know, finishes the sales call and then takes the time to actually put data into the CRM. They have this magical way of just doing it. And it's a beautiful thing. So every morning when I wake up, I just go, okay, what leads are ProsperWorks telling me to reach out to because they're most likely to close? And it works so well. And you guys know I love money and I love only focusing on the leads that are going to close. So I encourage you to try ProsperWorks. They're sponsoring the show. Check them out at prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. Folks, that's again, prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. So, I mean, you're living the dream. Why sell? Um, you know, it comes a time, I think you, you look for something where you need a little bit, uh, something bigger. Um, the AWIN group is an amazing group of companies. Uh, leadership's amazing. I wanted to look at expanding our our particular product and our model into international waters. Um, AWIN is an absolute market dominator in Europe um, and didn't have as much of a presence in the U.S. And obviously, that's where we came in. Um, really fit together quite nicely. And I wanted to work on something kind of bigger and make sure that the people in my company that I, some of them have been there for, you know, 10 years plus, that they had greater opportunity than maybe I was able to give to them at that time. Um, you know, it's something that as an entrepreneur, you, you get to at some point, you're like, you're, you're dying to provide these opportunities to your staff who want to grow and all those types of things. But it's a, you know, smaller business or whatnot, sometimes very difficult because if I'm still here, obviously there's nowhere to go. There's no more <laughs> top to get to. Um, and so it's a, it's a big challenge and something that kind of weighed on me. And this was a really, really strong, uh, company to choose to really be a part of. Um, so it, it fit in quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was, it was reported the acquisition price on this was about 35 million bucks. How did you value the company? I mean, how do you get to a price on this kind of business model? Uh, generally speaking, I mean, yeah, you're looking at, um, you're looking at revenue and where you project things to go and all those types of things. Um, I, so it is top line. I mean, they're not doing like a private equity firm kind of EBIT to multiple kind of thing. Uh, I mean, you would do both, right? You would find, uh, you'd find a, a common ground on, on either of those numbers. You're going to look at revenue. You're going to see how fast that's growing. You're going to look at EBITDA, which I think in general is probably the more important thing to look at, um, for, for a, for a company. And they're going to try to figure out some kind of multiple on that. Um, you know, the, um, the revenue numbers obviously were, were supposed to be at the time not reported. I think you can Google them actually, um, in terms of the purchase price, but, uh, how did that, how um, did that leak out by the way? Was that just like an ex employee or something or people are just, it's way off and they're speculating. Um, the number that you're talking about is off, yeah. uh, but it's uh, close enough for what we're talking about. And, uh, the, you're I saying like, like plus or minus reported. 5 million around that. Is that fair enough? Uh, it was a little more than that. But okay, I'll got let, it. I'll let you Google, but the the uh, 
the uh, the I, I I I don't know. It's not it's not a big deal. It was just one of those one of those things. And so um, I think it was uh, reported probably by the by the company. It's a public company essentially that was acquiring this. So those numbers all get reported yeah, yeah. publicly. Anyway. I mean, yeah, Axel. I'm pulling this from Axel. Right? They said share sale recorded net revenues of around 14 million bucks and anticipated EBITDA of about 5.8 million bucks in uh, 2016. They're obviously pulling that. I would imagine from the public filings of the parent company. Yeah, I would imagine that. Yeah. I, I haven't seen what you're looking at, but yeah, it's going to come from public filings and whatnot. So are um, you bigger than, are you bigger than ClickBank in terms of volume? Uh, I'm not aware of ClickBank's specific volume, so I wouldn't be able to say, I, my guess would be no, if I was going to be guessing, um, they, uh, they have a little bit of a different model. Um, you know, we're very much in uh, fashion and retail and, and very goods that you can buy and hold in your hand. Um, ClickBank traditionally has been more in digital products and, and, uh, you know, they're, they're two companies that don't, don't really do the same thing, nor do they compete. Um, you know, our competitors are much more in that physical space, a commission junction and a rack handling share and things like that, where, um, over the years we've all been here since, you know, for 17 years plus or whatever. And those are the kind of the thing, people that we compete with on a day to day basis. And what's your team size? Uh, there's 30 of us here in Chicago. So, okay. 30 folks. Good stuff, ma'am. All right. Let's wrap up here with the famous five, Brian. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, famous, uh, favorite business book is the value proposition design. Uh, there's a whole bunch of authors to that, but I'll give you Alan Smith as the primary in case you want to look it up. A uh, great way to build a product. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? I'm actually following and studying my own CEO, and that's Mark Walters of AWIN. Um, and if you don't let me off the hook on that, I had a backup. But he's um, he's <laughs> going to be leading this new team, um, and I really admire kind of what he's built over the years. So I'm excited to see it grow. What's the relationship between Affiliate Window and Xanox and Mark? Is it all the same company? It's just a bunch of bureaucratic levels. Uh, affiliate window was an, uh, essentially an older name for the company. Xanox was also an older name for a company. Those two came together and are now forming a win. So, um, across the globe, the, the brand is a win. I see. Interesting. Okay. Sorry. Last question on that. Many people will say, once you make a man rich, it's very hard to motivate him. Why the hell are you still there? There must've been a big earnout or something. Um, you know, there's usually in deals or um, <laughs> You guys can look at a smile and you know, you know what's going on right away. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's not uncommon, nor would I, I would be, uh, you know, uh, um, it's, it's part of the deal as an entrepreneur, but, uh, what the, the real answer, however, is that I really enjoy it. I mean, I really enjoy the industry and the space and the company and the people that have come through share a sale and, and a win is a, is a fantastic place to be. And I'm looking forward to, to working with them. So it's not, it's, it's not just that it's a, um, you know, I'm also too young to do nothing. So <laughs> I, I, gotta, I gotta find something to do. All right. And what's, what's your favorite online tool, Brian? Um, I would go with, um, I love MailChimp. I'm going to give MailChimp a shout out on that. They've right. been very good to me. And number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I'm pretty good at sleeping. I would put that right around eight. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at that, thankfully, because I don't know what would happen if I, if I wasn't. <laughs> and what's your situation? Married, single, you have kids? Uh, married. No kids yet? No kids. No kids. No. All right. And how old are you? I'm 43. Okay. So yeah, too young to do nothing. So take us back 23 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? 
I wish he knew how important uh, maybe hiring an accountant would be. Uh, <laughs> said every because, said every developer on earth. <laughs> because I was a developer who had enough accounting knowledge to be really dangerous, and uh, and I thought I could do that, and I and I did, but it would have been a lot easier with without doing it. There you guys have it from the share of sale founder, Brian. Hire an accountant earlier, especially all you developers listening. In 2000, he launched the company. By 2001, they grew to about 500 sellers. He then obviously focused on signing up the affiliates, or he uses the word publishers. 20% of these new affiliates find programs from retailers. Another 20% join directly via share of sale, then look for products to upsell. By 2017, they have it over 5,200 retailers, really specializing in fashion. Over a million publishers and affiliates signed up, of which 20,000 had been paid something over the previous 12 months. Gruit was sold in January here of 2017 for a reported 35 million bucks on healthy EBITDA of around five to six million. Now with the larger company focused on growing the space. Brian, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thanks for having me.